2: Hello and welcome to Caged In, the podcast where week by week I go film by film through the career of Nicolas Cage to find out if he is a bright, shining ray of sunshine in cinema or if he is a disgusting, drizzle, miserable day in cinema history. I get a guest to join me and I ask them, are they a Nick Cage fan? What was their first and which is their favourite Nicolas Cage film? This week, I speak to journalist Logan Kenny about the 2019 Stephen S. Campanelli film Grand Isle. If you want more of this conversation, there's something close to half an hour bonus material on this one on patreon which is patreon.com forward slash caged in pod where you can get me asking logan which is his worst Nicolas cage film he's ever seen what is his favorite nick cage performance and what and if he could color and Which living or dead director would he like to see Nick Cage work with? And this one is worth your £2 uh, monthly subscription fee alone. Just because we go into some really interesting places and talk about a a kind of few different options. And we end up talking a lot about Jason Statham as well. It's a a great conversation. So even if you just sign up for a month and then bin it, it's £2 gone. It's less than a, a cup of coffee. Obviously, when it comes to Grand Isle, we will be speaking about this film in spoilerific detail. So, if you don't want to know anything, I recommend that you pause the podcast now. You can always find in the show notes a handy document that will show you if and where the film is streaming. So, do pause the podcast, have a look at that, and then come on back and join us one last thing before i let you go head on over to cagedinpodcast.limitedrun.com to pre-order your very own not the bees caged in t-shirt i've got these amazing amazing designs by tim sinclair and uh yeah it's kind of like one of a kind idea. It's this mashup between the old Wicker Man, the new Wicker Man. It's got this cool thing where you can flip the t-shirt over and reveal the Nick Cage B's face, so you can you can you can feel what it's like to be Edward Malus in that moment, and kind of yeah, and ruin every single family photo from now until eternity. So, guys, there's only one thing left to do, and that's to get. Raging with Cage. It's time to batten down the hatches, board up the windows and shoot a rifle from your roof to get prepared because there's a storm coming. Nicolas Cage stars alongside Kelsey Grammer, Katie Strickland and Luke Benwad in Stephen Campanelli's 2019 thriller, Grand Isle. To join me as we shelter from the storm and find out, is this a film of gale force excellence or a disappointing light drizzle, is film journalist and podcaster Logan Kenny. How are you, Logan?
1: I'm doing okay. Uh, It's very interesting to be considered a film journalist. Uh, (laughs) thank Thank you for calling me one. Well, you've um,
2: yeah, you've been you've been you've you've uh, been in a public you've been published, right? So
1: yeah, I mean, I, it's it counts. I count as one. It's still just weird, though. You don't really think, I don't really think of myself as one. Um, but it's not. It's nice to be considered a journalist. Um, mm-hmm. I will try and give a journalistic opinion on the upcoming motion picture. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm excited to be here. I Love know the
2: cage. I know the exact feeling you have. Like when I last year got uh London Film Festival, like press accreditation, and like yeah. I, I've been, I, yeah, I get, I get, I get kind of journalistic perks, and even as a podcaster, I've recorded like over a hundred episodes, and it's still like I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, like I don't know what I'm doing. How am I? Like people go, oh, you, you your podcast's yeah. really good, and it's like, yeah.
1: I feel <laughs> like I've stumbled my way into success in any major of the industry. Uh, like, oh, I just knew people, and oh, I just got lucky, and, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. and it's just, it's just it, I kind of downplay my own uh, accomplishments, I guess. But, you know, I, I'm i doing okay, I'm, I have enough of a platform to be invited on this podcast, yeah. <laughs> so I'll consider it a win.
2: Perfect, man. Well, before we get into talking about Grand Isle, I always like to start these off by asking, are you a Nicolas Cage fan?
1: Absolutely. Without a doubt, he's one of my favorite actors of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I what, love this man.
2: What is it about him that kind of like. He, ju- he
1: just cares. You feel it. He gives a shit. There is so much energy in him. Uh, he reminds me, um, this is maybe. They're, they're not, their acting styles are not similar, but the, in terms of commitment to any role they're given, he reminds me of Ethan Hawke, who mm-hmm. will perform oscar stuff with the same amount of enthusiasm and energy as just complete trash um and cage cage gets his life brought out by trash he lives in it he is made for it <laughs> and I, I respect him so much for caring enough to put everything of himself into every role he gets
2: that yeah it's a really interesting comparison to ethan hawke and obviously they work together in what two thousand and five on Lord of War? But I, I always think like there's a there's a project with those two at the center of it that needs to happen. Like they kind yes. of like, they've got like a similarish look. Like in in Hollywood standards, they could play brothers at least. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: like, I I feel like if like if tides had been different, Doggy Dog would have sued Ethan Hawke well. I think he could have fit in there. Um, I would have liked to have seen Ethan Hawke. I think Ethan Hawke, Schrader, and Cage would be a great trio Mm. to work on something. Um, So if Paul Schrader ever hears this episode, uh, (laughs) give me a call, Paul, and we'll work on a script. Uh, I have some ideas floating around, Um, so it'll be great.
2: Perfect. Uh, Paul Schrader is somebody who I would love to get on the podcast, and I've actually made some... Uh, advances to try and make that happen uh, through happen, happen, happenstance that's,
1: I ha- that's I, beautiful I,
2: I happen to know a producer who knows both Nicolas Cage and Paul Schrader so like I'm hoping when the card counter Paul Schrader's next film comes around I can grab him for even if it's 5-10 minutes on the press junket of that and just get get a little chat with him about his work with Cage especially
1: yeah, that would be that would be amazing. I would be clapping and celebrating on your behalf for that. <laughs> that's an accomplishment.
2: Amazing! Um, man. I
1: I love I love Paul Schrader. Uh, just a, I, he's a great filmmaker, a great writer, but he has the best Facebook account on the internet, and that that really that's really important to me as a journalist.
2: <laughs> amazing! Yeah. Um yeah he comes out with some weird and wonderful things on that facebook account right for those of you at home who've yes. who never seen it it's just kind of it's almost like he's he's mistaken Facebook for like a text message like he might be, he'll, he'll kind of write stuff in his status updates it's like was he meant to send that to a friend as a text message
1: the th- the things that he has he has said about Taylor Swift on facebook <laughs> are are remarkable
2: um
1: <laughs> I I honestly respect him greatly for for being that honest about his his preferences. Um, we we cannot we cannot deride Paul for being open about his sexual identity. That he is a Swifty, and uh, we love to see it. Um,
2: Amazing. Oh, so well, we could get lost in a uh, Paul Schrader quagmire, but yes, we could. What is the first Nick Cage film you remember seeing, Logan?
1: Oh man. That's a good question. Uh, see, well, I grew up with a lot of like older-oriented movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first one that I remember distinctly remember Cage in was Kickass, um, which I insisted uh, my parents get me on DVD uh, <laughs> when I was too young, uh, just like nagging them to let me see it because I couldn't see it in theaters. I was too young, so I nagged my way to get the DVD. And I'd watched the DVD like 30 times. Um, And I still remember, I haven't seen the movie in like eight years, but I still remember pretty much everything about it because I saw it so many times. And Nick Cage just fucking kills it in that movie. Um, I'm sure it wasn't the first time I saw him, but it was the first time he really made an impression. Like, damn, this dude made Batman like fucking insane. Um, I need to see more of this this, this behemoth of acting. Um, And then I kind of went down a rabbit hole. Um, and he became one of my favorite actors to laugh with, laugh at, experience in all the range of emotions with, and he's just, just, just one of the best ever. He makes me very happy.
2: <laughs> well, there's that thing, especially with um, Kick-Ass, that you get this. He's obviously not got a major amount of screen time, but it's it's a f- thing I always say on this podcast that the screen time he does get, and even like yeah, the films where you can laugh at him or the bad films he will bring something amazing and i think like in kickass he br- he brings this just like he knows the touch points straight away He's like i'll do the i'll do the adam west i'll kind of like i'll do high camp but then i'll also do like dramatic and it's i i, I love like there's just a really small moment in that but when he puts on the uh puts on the eye makeup and obviously like uh Mm -hmm. what is it last year when the photos of robert pattinson came about everyone was laughing and stuff like that and it's like no obviously batman has always worn eye makeup it's Mm that no film has ever addressed it apart from i think well kick-ass possibly being the first one to for like to go well that that character has dark eyes obviously they're gonna have to apply some some makeup
1: but, but the thing is, is that Robert Pans is no Nicolas Cage. I'm sorry, Robert. Uh, but I, I actually think he looks good with the eye makeup. Uh, that was not, I was bullying him when the Batman trailer came out. I love the man, but I was bullying him for his terrible punches in the Batman trailer. He just, he just, he, that, this, this man cannot fake movie fight. He can't do it. Um, but the eye, the eye makeup, he rocks. It. He looks good with it um but again Nicolas cage is just a different breed of man entirely mm-hmm. you can't compete with him i mean look at him yeah. the first time you see his face you remember it forever mm-hmm. yeah like, you will never forget that face i will see it on the day i die
2: yeah he's omnipresent right he's like that kind of thing like i find it hard to pinpoint the first film i ever saw him in because it's like he's it's just it's weirdly always been there like, yeah. just, I think that like once you, you, I don't know, life is before, like, yeah, it's, well, it's, yeah, it's B, uh, BC and AC. It's before Cage and after Cage. Like, this, that's, 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 that's all life is.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I can't really remember a time without Nicholas Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I, I can't really remember. It's like Star Wars. I can't really remember a life before Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Um, I think Nick Cage should be in Star Wars. Um, I think that'd be a great (laughs) fit. But I feel like we'll get trapped down a rabbit hole if I start pitching that.
2: (laughs) Well, obviously, Nick Cage being one of your favourite actors uh, might be a tough one for you, but which is your favourite Nick Cage film?
1: It's a tie between two, and I go back and forth, and it's Bringing Out the Dead, Mm -hmm. uh, and Peggy Sue Got Married. Uh, which I think are two of the best movies ever. Um, and they, they're they my favorite of each director. They're my favorite is my favorite Coppola. And they have left a lifelong impression on me since the first time I saw them. Saw them. Um, I think Peggy Sue is just one of the most beautiful movies ever made. Just everything about it is just luxurious and beautiful and kind-hearted and sincere. And it makes you feel better for being alive by the end. And Bringing Out the Dead is almost the exact opposite. It's bleak and uncompromising and difficult and challenging and filled with just heartbreak constantly. But then there are moments of like peace and catharsis, even if the next day isn't going to be easier. Uh, I think about the ending of Bringing Out the Dead is my favorite scene uh, Cage has ever done. And it's my favorite scene Scorsese has ever filmed. Uh, when he's standing in the doorway, and he's basically allowed to stop taking on board, like his, like he's, I'm trying to find the best way to describe it. Uh, he's allowed to no longer suffer over mm-hmm. something he can't control, and that kind of peace he gets, even if it's not all the way gone, is just it, it really resonates with me, and it's stuck with me for a long time. Um, so those those are the two that really are, are the high echelon of Cage for me.
2: Perfect. Well, I always, I, I always like, I compile a list of people's favourites, and because of how uh, passionately you spoke about it and how eloquently you described that ending of uh, Bring Out the Dead, I'll, 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 I'm, I'm going to pick that one. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to do that for you, as uh, uh, like a uh, Peggy Sue got married again. A, f- a fantastic film, obviously one that um, uh, Kathleen Turner wanted Cage to be fired right. from because of that insistence on that voice he did.
1: But the, the voice works. Like at first it's very disorienting, but by the end you're like, I can't imagine this any other way because mm-hmm. it's just the, like the, like his singing style. It's, it's the like, and especially when his voice breaks in mm-hmm. the argument and like, the, like the nightlit stairs, when it starts breaking because of how emotional he is, it's just, it, it really elevates it. So, uh, Kathleen, I love you. Uh, you and Peggy Sue's top five performances of all time for me, but uh, stop disrespecting Nick. Um, <laughs> you got you got to leave him alone. He's a genius.
2: Well, it's that thing. It shows that all the way through Nick Cage's career, he has made choices, and like that voice was a yes. choice. And uh, we'll, probably yes. get, we'll probably get probably get onto some of his. Oh man. Other choices and his voice a bit um, more uh, later on in the podcast. Well, it is time to talk about yes. Grand Isle. $20,000. That's what I'm going to pay you to kill my wife.
0: The devil comes to meet you.
2: I've been watching you. This is destiny. Be sure to take my baby. Residents are advised to stay indoors. We got a hurricane. You like to make a call? You best get comfy. If you need help. All signs clearly point to you being the murderer. Tell me what happened. I didn't do anything. If she finds you hiding. Is it true that your wife don't treat you right? You will surely know. She drives me insane. I know you got this in you.
0: Without the
1: sweet touch of love, we ain't got nothing.
2: she you got a dark side, darker than hell. You're going
0: to
2: have to trust me. You see what you did? You expect me to believe you didn't commit murder? The takes the baby. I Have a look in our basement. The
1: What's he talking about? He's
2: a monster. You <laughs> know that either. So Logan, was this your first time watching *Grand Isle*?
1: It was not. It was not. This is a rewatch, and I, I have very, I have very many uh, thoughts on *Grand Isle*. Um,
2: so, um, how, yeah, when and how did you first see this film?
1: Well, I saw it so in uh, Glasgow at the CCA, uh, an event ran by Matchbox Cine Club, uh, who are amazing. Mm. They did Kajorama up in the CCA, and it was. Uh, and last year in January, uh, there was a few films and Grand Isle was like the UK premiere in Amazing. the theater was there. We, it was like an 11am screening. we we'd all, we, it was me and a couple of friends. Um, this was, it was the final day of K-Drama. We got up, we walked in, we had no idea what to expect. It was the same day. It was, we were getting a primal premiere as well. And we were doing national <laughs> treasure book of secrets. Which is uh another favorite cage of mine because it's just fucking insane. Um, so we got up and we walked in, and we didn't had no idea what to expect. We just knew that it was probably going to suck, but we hoped it was going to be uh, a kind of sucking uh that stays in the memory, and we could not have we could not have anticipated what was going to come next. <laughs> um, uh I don't we will get into it later, but Grand Isle is the only film I've ever seen in a theater that I fell out of my chair from laughing. I <laughs> fell out onto the floor and laughed so hard that I was on the floor. Um it was during the credits, I fell off the chair and I just stayed there because I was having so much fun that I just didn't want to move because it was so funny. Um there was another there was a few other films that were really funny that weekend like National Treasure Book of Secrets or a classic uh, uh Nick Cage fighting the cartel movie Firebirds. Which is oh, another classic yeah. of comedy, um, but Grand Isle. There's just something so funny about it. And the thing about Grand Isle is that the, every time I think about it, I've become convinced that it's actually good, even though it has so many problems. I am. It's too funny to be bad. That's the thing. It's too funny to not be good.
2: So I I knew nothing about this film, like apart from seeing posters and the DVD cover, and I was like, I. I was absolutely convinced it was like a, a set in the late eighteen hundreds. It's like if you <laughs> if you kinda of look at the poster for it and the kind of tagline to it, it's like it's ca caging this like military get up. And I don't know,
1: like a, like an asylum movie, like uh, Stonehurst Asylum with Kate Beckinsale or something like that.
2: Yeah, or just like, a, or, or like The Beguiled. Do you know what I mean? It looked like a kind of like, oh yeah, straight to straight
1: to like VOD. Southern Gothic. Yeah, like period piece. It's not. It's. I mean, it's not contemporary, but it's not.
2: It's not that old.
1: It's, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not that old. It's something else. Um, I honestly don't really think you can have expectations for Grand Isle mm-hmm. really. It's just it defies expectation at every at every whim. So could, um,
2: could you give us a like a, a synopsis for this film? How would you for someone who's never seen this? How would you well, just how would you kind of? Yeah. I,
1: I would I would I would have to inquire um, with people that haven't seen it. Uh, do you hate yourselves and why do you hate <laughs> yourselves? Go watch the fucking movie. Uh, it's good. Um, uh, if you pay for it and you you don't find it funny, you can direct message me at Logan One, and I will refund you personally the rental cost <laughs> because you have to watch. If you don't laugh once, I will refund you, like because the movie's too funny to deny. Um, so it's basically it's this kind of lurid Southern goth like thriller, and it's about this. He's a it's this handyman. He's broke. He's got a he's got a wife. He's got a young child to feed. He's got a he's got to work. He's got to get some money. They've got to have a better life. So he he takes a job for this strange, this strange couple in this in this big manner. There's this wife who's very very horny all the time. She's a very femme fatale, overwhelmingly uh, campy, uh, like middle aged actress who just who just wants to fuck, and you can tell immediately because that's the that's the entire performance she's giving is seductress basically uh, it's very simplistic
2: this film um, is 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 like sweaty with like you know I mean? it's, 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 it's
1: everyone <laughs> like cage gets really horny in an uncomfortable way uh the main dude is like uh you know in like porn when it's like the woman springs out on the guy and he's just like what but it's like okay and that's the kind of energy he has the whole time and so basically cage is playing uh a new Orleans. Uh, Bayou dwelling uh, Southern man And he doesn't like this handyman He hates him In fact he views his existence with Vile disgust He doesn't like his wife either They hate each other He hates everything And then unfortunately for, for the handyman A storm comes in And uh, he's he's gotta stay the night He can't get home to his wife But to his child He has to stay alone in this house With these two fucking terrible people That hate each other And watch as the complications unfold across a sweaty night in New Orleans. Um, And it also cuts back and forth between uh, that timeline and a few days in the future where it's the one and only patron saint of the money plane himself, Kelsey Grammer, uh, who is a a Louisiana cop who is interrogating him.
2: And (laughs) Well, the thing is with Kelsey Grammer is he's just doing his, like, Utmost best foghorn leghorn impression. <laughs> so I said, I, 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 I said, boy, what were you doing in the, their there car, boy? It's
1: it's <laughs> it's remarkable. Um, Kelsey Grammer, um, he is my favorite actor of all time, I think, because every time he pops up in a directed video movie. You are going to get some of the funniest things you'll ever see. Have you seen Money Plane? I need you to see Money Plane if you haven't. No. It's, it's, Money it's, Money Plane has him uh, say the line, you want to bet on the guy fucking an alligator? Money Plane. And that's not even the funniest thing he does. He smokes cigars... While listening to trap music, he's his name is Darius, the the the, the he's Darius the third, the Rumble, and he's going to take down the money plant. It's just one of the best performances of the year. Um, and Kelsey Grammer, he gives another top tier performance of 2020 in Grand Isle because every scene he's in, you just you're trying not to laugh
2: mm-hmm.
1: because you you don't have you have a max you have a minimum amount of laughs in you, right? there's only so much you can laugh before it starts to hurt. <laughs> and by the time you, you, you're like an hour in and Kelsey Grammer's still doing the accent, it's went all the way around from being very funny to being confusing to being kind of irritating all the way back around to being funny again. <laughs> um, and that's the kind of movie that uh, whenever you think you've reached the apex of your laughter, it does something else that confuses you and engrosses you. And then it makes you laugh again because it's just it's undeniable, um, and that's what I want from cinema.
2: Well, it's that weird thing that this is one of two Nicolas Cage films that has a zero percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Look, I gotta get Rotten Tomatoes certified, man. I need to do it because <laughs> I, I, this is disrespectful. Uh, it's 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 better than fucking Sorcerer's Apprentice. I'll tell you that much.
2: Well, it's the it's that thing like there is. It, it kind of teeters between being, like, an erotic thriller at moments, and but, like, an erotic thriller written by, like, a, a very sweaty, horny 15-year-old boy. Do you know what I mean? Like, there, there is a... Yeah. There is the, a the mo- thing, the... There's a moment oh. in this film where, she, like, um, oh, Fancy, her name is, uh, like, uh, <laughs> Katie Strickland's character, which is like, have, would you like me to tell you about my my sexual fantasies? And he, he's like, kind of the, the 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 young guy buddy who looks like a a young uh, John Larroquette, like uh, mm-hmm. just kind of like he's like, well, 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 okay, ma'am. But then, like the story she tells is very like, I don't like a fifteen year old boy's written it, being like, and then. He comes into the room and kisses me. And it's like, come on. It
1: looks... Uh, the it, the thing is, at points, um, you can tell that the, the, the glorious screenwriter has decided that, oh, I've seen a Coen Brothers film. What if we do that in the middle of this, like, one location erotic thriller? Mm-hmm. So there's, like, tension of, like, blackmail and murder. And affairs and deceit and getting caught in a web of lies and there's so much going on, in such a small location. It's invigorating. Well, it's, um, it's, it's the a movie with ideas. It has ideas. It has ambition.
2: So the two, feel it? yeah, the two writers uh, who are, Ivor William uh, Galar and Rich Renard. That like this a, this is like a first credit for, um, uh, 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 Ivor William uh, Galar and. It's kind of like a, a, a couple of credits with the other guy, and it's that thing of like, there's there's good stuff in here, and it's like for a film, like like let, let, let's put this out there, this is a five million dollar budget film, and like there are aspects to it that are great, and uh, director, uh, St- uh, yeah, Stephen S. Campanelli has is a really seasoned uh, cameraman, like he's been a camera uh, camera operator. On some amazing stuff, so million dollar baby, free billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, Mystic River. Well, yeah, he's kind of like he seems to be um, Clint Eastwood's like go to guy, but then has been has done loads of stuff. So, there's a, uh, I know a film that you're a, you're a big fan of. He was a camera operator on Tron Legacy. Like, as my favorite film. The, yeah. The, yeah, so like he's kind, um, but, but then again, he's yeah. he's he's. he's It's kind of all over the place, but like a very much well regarded and well respected, and like well, this would have been one of yeah the one of the last projects he worked with with K John was World Trade Center in two thousand and six. It, it's, it's
1: he has this is this makes it even more confusing, um because the movie, and I say this with love. (laughs) <laughs> As it is amazing, the movie does not have direction <laughs> until the end. I would say it. There is no fo the camera just has a mind of its own. The <laughs> the director has clearly said, "Fuck it, why not?" And that kind of energy, like it does a lot of the thing. It does feel like they've just had an idea and they just kind of ran with it on the day. Yeah, and it's and, I think, I
2: think Cage tends to work with a lot of like first-time directors but like we'll have these impressive cvs in something else whether it's like they used to be a stuntman or like they've produced some amazing projects and then they've gone well yeah this is like a third time like project for uh steven campanelli but it's that thing like obviously operating a camera is vastly different from being like a dop do you know what I mean? And it's like that thing, that yes. like you can you you can be told where to to point it, but then it's that thing of like to then As like the, kind of like two steps removed, being like or, or not just framing um, it and lighting like, it and stuff like that, and then it's like directing a shot, like mm-hmm. it's, it's like completely different.
1: It's it's like uh, the Wally Fister thing, mm-hmm. like you can shoot movies and then you make a movie and everyone fucking hates the movie, <laughs> um, which is. Uh, I, I forgot transcendence was a thing until I just remembered it there for this example. And but to, to be fair to 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 Mr. to Stephen himself, uh Grand Isle is one of the best films of the last few years in terms of comedic value. Um the thing the thing about Grand Isle is that every bad decision ends up being good in the long run because it makes it funnier. Um and I look, to be to be completely honest, uh I am an agent of chaos and I just want to laugh. <laughs> uh, truly, uh, I, I, this makes me a bad critic, but I, I could disregard like basic visual problems or like script writing inconsistencies or like the concept of what makes something good. I could just throw that away at like a drop of a hat. I just want to be entertained. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm simple in that way. If I just like some of my favorite movies of all time, just make me just happy and grand oil. There is. No film from the last, like, apart from maybe like Money Plane or stuff, some other stuff like that, there's no film that rejects being good as gleefully and wonderfully as Grand Isle does. And I just, I think there are more, there are better movies, there are so many better movies than it, but there are like a bunch of like, like really good, really solid stuff that have completely faded from my memory in like two months. I could, even before the rewatch, I could tell you like, Fucking entire scenes of Grand Isle <laughs> off the top of my head because I thought about it so much.
2: So, is there like in that first kind of like what I would say like three quarters of the the first the first three quarters of the film, like what before we get to the 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 denouement, that kind of that kind of reveal at the end, what scenes <sighs> stick out for you in that kind of the earlier it's, moments of the film?
1: Well, what what, what 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 really sticks out is how. Fucking insane cages in terms of scene to scene. Mm-hmm. Like he always has a different motivation. He always <laughs> has a different thing. But the only thing that stays consistent is that he's just mad. Just <laughs> angry. And booze he's him. going yeah. through it. And just like the the stuff about his character's background, even before the big stuff at the end, which we'll get to, because oh my god. Um, it's just the way he says things. I I can't believe it. The, the scene where they're all having dinner when the, when he talk, tries to talk about the plan with the wife and he's just doing this voice and he just keeps looking around the room. And then whenever like, is his name buddy? I always forget yeah. the main guy's name. Whenever buddy says, and he just looks at him like this, <laughs> like a gravel, like this ferocious roar. Well, like you've angered the
2: beast. There's a moment on that dinner table scene that like, it's a delivery of a line. When he said, "Like it is brilliantly delivered by Cage," and he's like, "When was the last time you had your cock sucked?" And he's like, <laughs> like, like, "Like, it's like from two separate sentences, like that like, kind of like cock and sucked." It, like, like, the, the
1: thing, the, th- the thing about Grand Isle is the 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 thing that it, the thing that it starts out as, if you had no idea what the plot was, like we did, like I did the first time I saw it, uh, there is absolutely no way to predict what the fuck goes on after. Well, yeah, there's it, no there's no build up to it. It just kind of it just happens. They just throw in things that are ridiculous, well, you, and it's not even that they throw in one thing. They throw in several.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of like well, there's what Chekhov's basement. There's kind of like Chekhov's gun. They they kind of throw in all them kind of things. They kind of like and then, dangle like, a couple of things at like, you, and then it's like, like look,
1: <laughs> They've got like the framing device of like something bad happens because he's being interrogated by Kelsey Grammer. But you assume that because of like the stuff, like we were talking about, like killing his wife and like blackmailing and all that kind of stuff, that you think, oh, maybe it's because of that. Maybe he's, they've been caught in an incident like that. No, no, that's not it. No, create things you could never have guessed involving (laughs) people being kidnapped and drugged (laughs) and used for reproductive
2: purposes. All of that stuff. So, so yeah, like, what, like, um, so, a scene I wanted to talk about is like there's a lot of just like people talk like just having chats about stuff, and obviously, like in the town of Grand Isle, the character of Walter Nicholas Cage's character has got this like reputation of being this like hard ass Vietnam veteran, and then we find out when he tells Buddy a story that he like by the sounds of it literally was what in Vietnam for like a week. And then like got sh- uh, got shrapnel in his leg, and then had to come home. And it's like, so we get that, and he's like, "You yeah, you got a lot of secrets behind those eyes, boy." Like kind of telling him, but like, he's like, you, you, like yeah, because this weird thing that there's like he's from the 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 military, and buddies from the navy, and this is kind of like going head to head from it, but like. There's that weird scene. And another one that jumps out to me is, um, so obviously that's when he propositions him to, uh, what is it, poison Fancy. But then, like, when he goes to confront her, well, like, yeah, he goes to, like, poison her in the bath. Mm -hmm. Um, She's singing Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit. And then... (laughs) (laughs) This movie's so dumb. <laughs> See, like for those of you who don't know, like uh, "Strange Fruit" is like the that's it's it's
1: not compatible with the movie.
2: Yeah, and it's like it it's like was that written in to kind of like give this film a depth? Like because obviously, Fancy like talks about uh, like the the writing of that song, so. Well, this used to be a very divisive song. It was—it's was actually banned, like, uh, because of its anti-anti-like uh, lynching message and stuff. I just like, that. and it's like, and the ironic thing is, it was written by a white man. And it's like, what has this the, got the, to do with e- anything?
1: Everything <laughs> in the movie is like this. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's so good. It's so good. Look. All I'm saying is if it was in if if this movie's like entire construct was written like a postmodernist novel everyone would be fucking all over it mm-hmm. like Wait. like fucking like Thomas Pynchon or something like that if if they wrote the plot of this everyone would be like wow wh- what a uh, beautiful disregard to form and narrative and expectations and and standards of quality he's breaking down Barrett That's but because it's a trashy Nick Cage movie it will never be foreseen as this kind of great intellectual work. Well, cuz uh, that's disrespectful. For
2: a chunk of it, it plays it plays out a bit like um uh i'm thinking of ending things do you know what i mean like somebody in I, a situation where I, they don't, don't want to be having an awkward dinner with two people and, and they're look, weirded out by the basement it's like all, all,
1: all i'm saying is that uh grando uh it, it may have a very memorable ending but the ending is funny and good unlike i'm thinking of ending things <laughs> but that's another conversation uh for another time um, but um the thing about Grand Isle that uh that, that does really stick out to me is that you know, you you have like the construct of like it's setting up like erotic thriller, like a lurid drama, like mystery. And it's it plays almost like a parody of them mm-hmm. and a subversion of them, then just disregards them by the end completely. Like it's it plays around with genre ideas and identity and like puts them on like you try on clothes in the changing room and then it just throws them out and streaks naked through like the fucking like h&m like that's 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 basically (laughs) the movie
2: (laughs) well it's got that thing that like at at moments it very much flirts with the idea of being like a a a late afternoon pot boiler as well like this kind of like burgeoning tensions and stuff like that and you kind of don't don't know what's going to happen it's kind of very like innuendo based not not overtly sexual but at least like like it's it's titillating without being like without showing you're never
1: yeah the by the like the second half of like the of the night uh you're unclear how like you feel as overwhelmed as buddy does because you were unclear how anyone relates to anything (laughs) what the truth is what the agenda is and you're just kind of caught in, the, like, betwixt these fucking insane people. <laughs> and, like, if they played it straight and they'd, like, you know, directed it and, you know, written it to be, like, an actual movie, um, then they could have really made something, like, a genuinely, like, effective little thriller. But instead they decided to be visionaries and decided to reject that idea <laughs> and decided to be funny. Um, well, and that and that's more important, like I've mentioned before.
2: Well, that's that crazy moment when... Uh fancy and like buddy have had sex and like she finds the very conveniently finds the poison does she's like well that's it i'm gonna have to have a word walter like (laughs) i am a southern lady after all it's
1: the the sex uh, uh, (laughs) indescribable like just no (laughs) this is it's like um like when you're a kid and you like have a vague idea of what sex is, you just kinda of smash dolls together. <laughs> it's like that, but it's like it's southern and it's steamy and we watched body of innocent of evidence. Like that's the it has a very like if it was in the nineties Madonna would have been in it doing this. Like that's yeah. the that's the thing. Well it's got like, that if they could have got Madonna, they would have got Madonna.
2: It, it, that's one of the moments where it cuts back to Kelsey Grammer and he's like, you're telling me that you bumped Uglis with her when her husband was in the next room? And he had asked... I mean, you gotta
1: respect the, the audacity to do that. Like, you gotta respect it. Like, I mean, you can't even really be mad at him. You just have to respect the call of it. Like, yeah, I mean, my heart's broken, but I mean, damn, you really went for it and I have to respect you. Um,
2: but there's something... Like Cage is playing it so weirdly. Well, one of the perfect just, yeah, one one of the perfect examples, One of the perfect examples of that is when we get that confrontation like downstairs and fancy stabs him in the hand and then like he he like he smacks her uh, and then he like again, another amazing delivery from Cage when he says about like pouring the pot, pour it on the rack. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I just, look. I, I just, this is, this is my top 10 of 2020, I think, honestly, because
2: I, I, there's that, it's, there's like, it's, so it, it's just so good. So for <laughs> the, for, yeah, for those of you who are listening, who, who did it, who for some bizarre reason didn't bother to watch this.
1: Um, Fuck you.
2: Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> So, Buddy and Walter end up fighting and um but but, but buddy like strong arms him and ties him to the banister, but like cage's performance in that moment when he's like kind of like like g- regurning and kind of like be like oh like you don't know anything about her if you want to run away with her. and he's just like he, he looks the thing is this film he's having he looks like he's having tons of fun. Uh, Katie Strickland looks like she's having a fucking whale of a time. Uh, uh, the actor who plays Buddy, so what's his uh, something? I have no idea. Luke Luke Benwood just Fake kind name just kind of looks like he's just gone. Uh, uh, like his mum had like told him to go get some groceries, and he's ended up in a film. Like he he's, I... he's not giving yeah, anything. He just he
1: looks. He looks he looks baffled. And that's that, that that kinda adds to it, honestly. It's one of those things where I think like a bad performance like actually adds to it because it'd be weird if he was good. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be weird if he was having a good time. Uh it's that kind of like that kind of blank like like uh, I'm trying to think, uh like he was the the high school student that everyone kinda liked because he was handsome and he did all the things, but no one really got to know him yeah. or cared. Uh he was just the guy that was there. And the guy gets kind of forgotten by time and by history, and that's the kind of energy he has. And like, especially with like Kelsey Grammer, where Kel- it's just one on one, and he's just like, uh oh, I-, I didn't do this," uh, blah, 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 blah. and he's like playing, he's staring, and he's like trying to be sincere and failing. And Kelsey Grammer just goes, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> and I don't believe you. <laughs> like, it's 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 a baffling. Uh, a contradiction through it. it's just look the thing is about this film what? and if you i understand that if you if you have like a normal brain which i don't and you look at it and you watch it and you're like that was fucking terrible i get it but what you cannot deny is that it makes you think it's provocative it makes you it makes you contemplate things well like it's impossible to look at this and just be like drugs
2: Well, the like, it's kind of, it's, it's work, it's work. The film is working. Do you know what I mean? It's like really like working to try and do something from you. Whether it's like the the score with like the high pitch strings, like so telling you like much. high drama so and stuff funny. like that. And there's like it's it's weirdly tense in moments. It's weirdly sexual as well. There's that moment when she's like going. Have sex with me here in front the th- the of him. Thing,
1: <laughs> the thing, the thing, the thing about it is that it's sexual without being sexy, which is even funnier. Yeah, um, it's aggressive. It's like you know, it's aggressively you know, like, there's sexual. There's like something. there's something really interesting. it's like, like, like food or and sex when done wrong are the least sexy things in the world. <laughs> like yeah. the, the if, if 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 done right, they're the best. If done wrong. They're horrible, and Isle is kind of like the perfect example of that. It goes so far that it goes all the way back around and becomes just repulsive or like hard to think about in any context of like horniness or like arousal. <laughs> um, it's trying, it's trying too hard, and that makes it funnier um, because it would be weird if it was sexy because it's a movie with Nicolas Cage as a Southerner uh, playing like talking about the shrapnel and poisoning his wife, and being cocked. <laughs> like, it'd be weird if it was hot. like so, so, It, I don't know. Like, the thing about it is that all the reasons it works for me, I don't believe can be intentional, but if they were intentional, there is something fucking genius about it. <laughs> like, if this was on purpose, like this meta-text deconstruction of like, erotic thrillers, and pot boilers, and like, standards of good, then they just they've... They, 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 Steven really fucking snapped with it. Well, well, there, um,
2: there's a thing, like, I thought, like, at one point, I was like, I'm not really gelling. I thought, like, I'm not really gelling with this. And then all of a sudden, there's a moment when he's like trying to get into the basement. And I genuinely was like, he's fucking, he's getting in the basement. He's getting, and I was like, I was like, I'm f- fucking. I'm invested in this. Life. You do. You do want to know what happens. <laughs> yeah. It gets you. You just. You want to find out. It sneaks and, up on you.
1: And then the thing is, right, is that when it when it leaves the house at the end, after the big like like the there's a police raid. We'll describe that in a little bit. But after when he leaves, when it's all over, and you feel like the movie, it might not have like a strong climax. It might have like a. Like it might fizzle out once leaving the house. The thing about Granella is that it saved its best moments for last. It what? saved the funniest thing it has to offer for the final scene. Right, and so so before I we, love movies for that.
2: Before we get to the final scene, obviously, he fight like after after he tries to go in the basement, he gets shot up. by fancy she lets um, Walter loose, and he ends up in that room and finds that guy who's just strapped to an IV, just in this kind of room full of bric-a-brac and old mattresses. And it's like, what the fuck is go- going on? And this is like... With tw- comes out of nowhere. <laughs> nowhere.
1: There's no There's no red herrings. There's no little like like foreshadowing <laughs> moments. It's just, oh yeah, they're fucking insane kidnappers
2: well like, the the thing is you say there's no foreshadowing like there is like a couple of moments earlier on in the film and i was like why like it's nothing's happening in this scene but it's just someone watching the tv and it's like just to remind you once again that a kid has gone missing <laughs> like, like, and i was like okay like May, may, but, like, but like I didn't in know in which way flop. oh yeah in the, in the context of this scene I was, yeah. like, I was like, like why is he in that room like the, the basement like, is locked and secure that feels like the play stuff is going on
1: it's like if it does some don't breathe kind of shit <laughs> but it's better because it's instead of being like provocative in a very boring way which I, I, I'm being very mean to movies people mostly like uh, I apologize, but um, instead of being kind of like provocative in a way that isn't really interesting or like lasting, it's provocative in the complete opposite way and that it fails to actually shock or titillate mm-hmm. beyond what? Why? Yeah. why did they do that? And I think that honestly, that, that, that interests me a little bit more because there is just something we're trying to figure out what the mindset of this decision was that I, I still haven't wrapped my head around it 12 months later. Mm-hmm. Like,
2: well, so... why? why why the
1: script this didn't need to, it didn't need to be there the script had enough tension
2: like... well, well yeah we are talking about like well let's get out of the house and talk about the fact that this film then this is where it kind of all loops back around and kind of brings us full circle to him telling the story of what happened and him now so obviously he has a scuffle with water gets knocked out wakes up in a car with the kid who was on the IV shot in the head in this like, footwell of the passenger side of the car. And then you realise he was framed for murder. And this is something I don't understand. Is I like, it's like uh, obviously it's supposed to be like a rinky-dink town and Kelsey Grammer's character's going like, well, you're not going to get your phone call, boy. We don't do phone calls in this rinky-dink town here, boy. This ain't the big city. Um, and then, like, he just invites his wife in to kind of, like, oh, he's, I'm sure she's got some questions about, like, what you've been up to. Like, yeah. Really? It's like, I don't know. Like, would, would they be doing, like, would they be doing this? Like...
1: It, it, the thing is, they don't care about the rules. <laughs> no one's coming to check on your rules or your rights. <laughs> we do what I want, because I'm the sheriff in these parts, brother. <laughs> like, that's the... It's It's just... It does, it's trying to get, like, a severe, like, emotional drama with him and his wife and their relationship and their financial status, but it just doesn't, but the thing is, whenever it gets close, it's just like, nah, we want to fuck around now.
2: Well, you can't build that up within, like, a scene. Like, all we get is, like, maybe, like, I don't know, five-line exchange at the beginning where he's, like, which, if anything, the, the main thing I got from that exchange at the beginning is he's just really horny and she's not up for it which kind of like (laughs) like he is he
1: wants out like he is not bothered that he doesn't get like there's obviously the despair about like being stuck with these people but it's not i don't think it's because he wants to get home to her i think there's this kind of like lingering kind of resentment there which is kind of interesting like the the build-up to the house is like it's almost normal um Mm -hmm. before everything goes off the deep end um and i the, the interrogation scene is kind of like it could be very potentially like poignant but it's not because it doesn't care about that well cuz um,
2: right at the beginning of the film and i hate to like jump right like, right back to the beginning as we we're getting like right near the end but like we kind of get these like glimpses of things to the future so obviously we have like um like yeah cage shooting a guy who like was trying to burgle the house and then, like, that's the reason he needs the fence fix in the first place. And then right at the beginning of the film, we have just this scene of these two, like, uh, girl scouts and fancy talking to them. And then, like, kind of, that's when it kind of jump cuts. And like, I was, I was, like, genuinely, I thought there could have been, like, a supernatural element to this film
1: they, they, they could have thrown it in it wouldn't have fell out of place if they'd done it
2: no it, it kind of felt like at some points felt like it was playing in the like, at least the sandbox of like a uh, American Horror Story it kind of had like that vibe to it like if, yeah, if, that, yeah. if at any moment they kind of turned around and it like the, the twist was that like Fancy and Walter were kind of like I don't know like they had they just these weirder mortals who like have to kill people to 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 live and get kind of been yeah. been been alive since like the eighteen hundreds. I would have I would have gone yeah yeah that makes sense. That, the thing the thing
1: is, is that somehow the direction it does go in the final scene oh. is more be- beguiling and strange than any supernatural element could have ever been because there's absolutely zero way. You could ever predict what the final message of Grand Isle is. Well, yes, it's ridiculous.
2: So we, we we get the police searching the house, and like they like they look cagey as fuck from the moment. And like it's it's, it's when like uh, Walters like speaks to the police officer, they say like what happened to your face, and he like delivers probably the like most false sounding story in the world, where he's like. Oh, yeah, so last night when the when the storm was happening, I tripped over the stairs and then like hit my face and then I cut my hand on a piece of glass that come out of the window that was like a uh, and it's like it's it just it <laughs> you could see him looking to like that part of the brain where you're making shit up yeah um so yeah they 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 raid the house and they find they eventually go into the basement and again, when the police go into the basement this time. And I was like, I knew something was fucked up the moment I saw that they had like metal stairs. Do you know what I mean? Something something just like kind yeah. of disturbing about that. I was like, oh, why aren't they wooden stairs?
1: Like Yeah, the the thing is about the police the police raid is there it is it's like the closest the film gets to bordering on genuinely impressive because mm-hmm. there is like that's like, oh, what's going to happen here? Like, this could go in a variety of different directions. What more disturbing things are going to be uncovered from the basement? How is How are the these fucking crazy people going to react to the cops? How are the cops going to react to them? What's going to happen here? And obviously, it's still Grand Isle. Um, <laughs> and it rejects the concept of, of doing things normally. But there are, like, the pieces here where if you were a coward, you want you could make, like, a normal movie out of it. Mm -hmm. um which which i had the thing is is that like even again even before re-watching i had thought about just random scenes from the police raid more than i felt thought about much better set pieces in recent months which is i don't know why my brain's like this but it is and i just have to i have to live with
2: that so so yeah like again if 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 you've got this far and you haven't seen this film I know there are people who listen who haven't seen the films anyway, but uh, watch the movie. But there, go watch the movie. (laughs) Finish the podcast first, and 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 then and then then watch, then watch the film. Uh, Like there's that kind of like you get that moment where it's revealed to the police what's in the basement, but then it's kind of cut between that and like Cage and um, Katie Strickland's character, like kind of going like, "Oh fuck, the jig is up." And she's like, well, I'm staying. He's like, I'm going. And, like, says to the cop, he's like, yeah, my, my cat's up in a tree. Can you shoot it down? And, like, the cop's just, like, bemused. Like, huh? And he's like, my cat's up in the tree. Can you can shoot it down. Like, huh? And then, like, knocks him out. And then, like, what do we, like, uh, find in the basement, Logan? We've, we've been, been talking around it, but we haven't fully mentioned I, it. Um,
1: I don't know how I can express it in words. It's some fucked up stuff. Yeah. Some, some human bodies repurposed for disgusting, disgusting, morally objectionable purposes. It's chilling. It's chilling beyond belief. And I'm building to it because I think it's really funny. Uh, but the thing is, it's so... It is very don't-breathe. In that it is just a ridiculous idea. But it's played so straight... That it gets even funnier. And that's because... Oh my god. They've used them. They've used these young bodies... For... Children? For (laughs) exploitation? For... Their uteruses? What? It's... They're trying to... Like... Torture these bodies, and it. I've seen the movie twice, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen it twice, I've thought about it all the time, and I still can't process why they do it in this single way. Like, they chain all the bodies in the worst circumstances and think, Yes, that will be healthy spawn.
2: Well, it's that, and like, we like so when we get right to the end, we get like that classic moat, like that. That thing you get in a lot of lazy storytelling where it's like we get lines that were delivered throughout the film to kind of really hammer home the message of the film and like show you all the signposts that were along the way or stuff that's fancy has said or something or people have said, which is like, if, if we could, we would have a really big family. Unfortunately, yeah, my, my uterus is barren. And then it's like, it's... yeah, so it turns out that they kind of have this kind of like, weird kidnapped like kid to teenage like ch- family farm basically they're trying yeah, to create their own
1: family they're trying to you yeah but instead of like like the conditions that would probably create a healthier baby they just throw them in the basement and fuck them up and fill them with drugs and ivs yeah. and ruin their entire existences but the, the thing is that even after this reveal somehow in my opinion
2: it gets funnier and crazier, well, which is which is ridiculous. So everything it's after they leave so crazy. Everything <laughs> after this feels like it was filmed in pickups.
1: Yes, <laughs> it feels like a different set. Yeah, it, like it feels like they were making something else.
2: Well, yeah, it kind of feels like it kind of feels like I don't know, like partway through like the editing process, they went, "Oh fuck, we haven't." got an ending to this film like can you what do we do like and and one of the reasons that is because obviously cage's character manages to like get away and um he like turns up an undisclosed amount of time later does it say in the film how long later it is
1: i don't believe so
2: um so yeah he has like buddy's wife and daughter have gone to her sister's house to get away from the madness, to get away from him, but Cage's character Walter has kidnapped them and kind of turns up to the local diner, and he diner and he's like, "Hey, tadpole, like, get out here!" And he's got he's, he's 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 got her held hostage, and the baby's in the car.
1: It's very important to pick out that what we've mentioned because there's brief little things to it, like in previous like with the uterus stuff, mm-hmm. there's previous little mentions to his military background. He's wearing his 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 decorative like military outfit. He's got the medals on, he's got the coat on, and he is yelling with it. This is very important because it leads into some of the funniest things I've ever seen in the film. Because that's right. After the fucking teenage baby factory basement, and the, the potential wife murder, and the erotic thriller, and the marital discomfort. The movie decides that it wants to represent the struggling veterans of America that don't have support from the government, that don't have support from the system, from the people that are bereft of PTSD. And so his final, like, he has like an interaction with Kelsey Grammer. He, has, he gets killed, and his interaction is... Like all about the ways that veterans have been mistreated in society following their return from the war, and the thing that really killed me, and the thing that killed everyone I saw it with, and the thing that sent me on the floor is that in the fucking credits, there's a for the troops declaration. No, <laughs> there's a declaration during the crew that dedicates the movie to the troops, and it comes out of nowhere. Like, even with the brief illusions, it comes completely out of nowhere. There's no reason for it to be a movie that ends after all this shit about the troops. And I just, I want to know what, like, an American soldier thought watching this, knowing that it was dedicated to them. Because I I can't imagine the brain power of Stephen and everyone that was involved in it deciding that, yes... We're going to end this fucking lurid thriller. We're going to make it a fucking like tribute to the soldiers, the brave veterans that don't get the care they deserve. And it's just so fucking funny. I can't. It's the best movie ever made. (laughs) Like it cramps in like the the basement twist and then the pivot to troops within 10 minutes yeah. of the ending. Yeah. It's so quick. And it's got it's like ridiculous. It's
2: got more endings than Lord of the Rings the return of the king as well. It's so It good. does so many really like fade to blacks like like cuz after, yeah. after 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 Cage is killed like in a blaze of glory you think oh I thought it's fucking over. Oh great. And and then it kind of like it kind of fades back up again and it's Buddy in a hospital bed and then like the kind of like the end scene you left on is him and his wife saying we're going to take it slow and it's like, is that it? like, oh, okay it's like, but, what's the me-? like, it's kind of got this weird like the 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 kind of, yeah, we've got that weird veterans message but then we've kind of got like, what like, what has he learnt throughout all, all of this? Do you uh, know what I mean? like, like,
1: Be patient with uh, be patient with your wife's uh, body after pregnancy yeah. for sex, because if you if you go for affairs, uh, you will end up in some fucked up predicaments, <laughs> and maybe change your perspective on veterans returning home from war. Maybe you'll learn something. That, um, I just, I the things that this movie does because there is no intent of being progressive or having a social message or whatever throughout. And then it decides to become a message movie mm-hmm. after the teenage pregnancy form. It is so staggeringly misconceived that it's brilliant. It's just remarkable how much it tries to do in yeah. such a short space of time, how many things it does, and how fucking ridiculous it is <laughs> that it it tries to be a movie about like a very serious subject after what it does. Like <laughs> it tries to like pass itself off as being like a very like like, well-intentioned movie about, like... The
2: plight. ...veteran's
1: rights, and it's not... And I fucking respect it so hard for trying (laughs) to, like, leech its way onto a cause. Like, it's so insidious. Like, there's no way that anyone can watch it and think, yes, that's a movie about the veterans that we need right now. Um, And... God, oh, so funny. Say
2: so what? What's weird about that scene when Cage turns up in all his like uh, military regalia and stuff like that? Is the fact that like he's he's had he's had a shave, he's had a haircut. But to me, it's like yeah, that could have been a character thing. But then it it did feel like he'd like moved yes. on to film something else, or had like cut the hair and they've gone. It has
1: it has very <laughs> uh wind fucked up. It's like um, we need an ending. You know, like with the we snow, need an ending. Like the snowman. How they didn't? They felt they forgot to film like a quarter of it. Mm-hmm. It was like that with Grand and but they were able to get him for like a, an hour of reshoots. <laughs> like, all right, just hop your ass over Cage. We'll, we'll pay you ten grand. You know, we'll do this. Get get the shot done. We'll go. And it's just and he's just like, and then they're just like, what 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 are we gonna do? Um, and you're just like Cage. Do you, he's just, Cage is just like. I'm imagining he just has a military outfit just for it, just for his own purposes. <laughs> so I would like to believe that it was not originally going to be part of it, mm-hmm. and he just turned up in it, and they were just like, yep. "All right, I guess we're making a bit of vets," because that would be that would be even better. Um, but I just I want to read like the script so bad because I want to know well... like, what was what what was all there. Yeah. If any of it was changed, if anything it was improvised or changed by a director, I just wanna know well, what the, the fuck happened.
2: The script was originally called Fancy Buddy and Mr. Water, which makes it sound that, like a kind of like sixties sitcom.
1: Yeah. It sounds uh it sounds that's a terrible fucking title. Um and they should feel ashamed for even putting it down on paper. Um but Grand Isle doesn't really mean anything either.
2: No, it's um, just a place. It's a genuine. Yeah, it's place literally that...
1: just that. It's like it doesn't say anything. It could be by anything.
2: Well, I feel um, I, it could I feel, be anywhere. Like I don't know. I think that's what these kind of director video like DVD films try to like do is have these ambiguous titles and these bombastic looking covers where people who like are in a supermarket see them and go like. Oh, 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 Nick! Um, nine times out of ten, they will have Oscar winner Nicholas Cage on the cover as well. Oh, so-
1: <laughs> the Leaving Las Vegas has left a good cultural impact for people uh, like us and uh, people that respect like three pound DVD purchases. Yeah. in like a Sainsbury's. Yeah, uh, um, so
2: so before we wrap things up, as always, ask at the end of these: Does Nicholas Cage have bad hair? In this Yes
1: film. he fucking does. It's a terrible haircut. <laughs> um it's overgrown to the point, but it's not grown enough. So it's like it's like almost muddy but it's it's on a shoulder. It it looks terrible. Is it, but I love it.
2: Is it natural, do you think?
1: No. No. I think I think wig. Yeah. I think it has to be. Surely. Because if that's his if that's what his hair looks like at that length, I feel so bad for him. So,
2: like, Like, it's a weird thing. So, obviously, like, we're speaking now in, yeah, 2021. And it's that thing, like, in in the space of when this was filmed. So, what, this would have possibly been filmed latest, like, late, no, like, mid-2019, right? Yeah, I would say so. I'd say, like, late 2018,
1: early 2019, Since right. Yeah, so,
2: but, like, since then... And, like, obviously, when you see him now, whether it's, like, uh, the history of swear words and stuff like that, he has had some hair work done. Mm-hmm. Like, his hairline has gone, like, like forward. It has considerably crept forward. And like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. If you've got the money and that's what you want to do. Like, I'm a man who suffers from male pattern baldness. so I'm wearing a hat, as we speak right now. But it's, like, a thing of, like, he's looking good. But, like, you can really see it there, like... It's scraggly as well, that hair, and it? it's horrible and scraggly, but it fits the it's character rough. right
1: oh, uh, you know it suits this, just not a good haircut, <laughs> um, I hope it's a work for his sake, perfect, um, but even if it isn't, he got the work done, so good for him,
2: so does he have a crazy voice in this, obviously, early of weird.
1: course he does, <laughs> yeah, he's from the Bayou
2: <laughs> and. Last, uh, but not least, obviously, what a lot of people go to Nicolas Cage for—does he freak out?
1: Yes, yes, he does.
2: Which, wh- what is the big moment, like freak out for you in this?
1: I would say, I would say either the cock line or him reacting to getting stabbed, mm-hmm. or especially the ending when he gets shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, leading up to that, I would say that's the peak Cage moment. Uh, he does not die convincingly I'll <laughs> say that I would not believe he was dying um, but it makes it even better it's, it's special motion pictures
2: amazing and like last question I like to round this thing out. would you recommend people watch Grand Isle
1: I think if you haven't already that you are lesser for it and you should do that and watch it amazing um, I think everyone needs to see it at least once in their life even if they don't understand it I think it's just one of those things that should be essential
2: fantastic because it length. teaches you about cinema <laughs> whether it's whether it's um
1: what whether it's good or bad or whatever the fuck you think of it i think everyone will learn something from it
2: yeah whether it's what what to do or what not to do you you can decide that question for yourself or you'll just laugh like <laughs> i did uh, amazing so where can people keep up to date with everything you're doing whether it's uh, like uh what you're writing can... and podcast stuff whether it's chasing uh, or anything they, like they, that.
1: They, uh, we are currently on hiatus, mm-hmm. but we'll be back at some point in the near future. Um, but you can find me at Logan canny one. You can find my work on publications like Cinematary or the film stage, um, or little white lies occasionally, which is pretty cool. Um, you can find me on letterbox just under Logan Canny If you want to see the frankly insane people that <laughs> leave comments on my things. Um, but yeah, you just, just follow me, shoot me a DM if you want to talk about something. I, I usually respond. So yeah, just check out my work and uh, give me money. So,
2: yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Logan, thank you so much for coming and raging Absolutely with Cage. No with problem.
1: Yes, glad to.
2: There we have it, guys. Another step Closer to the hills of Nicholas Cage, and the end of his career up until the present. Thanks again, uh, massively to Logan Kenny for coming and chatting about Grand Isle with me. I am sure if you've seen it, you will attest that it's a very peculiar, strange, a beast unto its own. A very, uh, yeah, a, a a film that only Nicholas Cage could be in, and uh, I guess that's why. That's why we love him, right? Uh, If you have some strong opinions about this film and would like to get in touch with the podcast, do feel free. You can always do so on social media, which is at CagedInPod on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And if you kind of want to get a little bit of a a tease as to what is coming up on CagedIn, obviously we're going into... Uncharted territory, somewhat, when it comes to the Coppola Connection season, which will be um, dropping in the beginning of April. I've got a date in mind. I know the exact date it's going to drop, but I will keep listening. Keep your keep your ears and eyes out, and uh, you will. There will be news of that coming very, very soon as to when that will be dropping in your podcatches. Obviously, the podcast will be taking a somewhat mini hiatus. There'll be plenty of bonus stuff coming out in that kind of interim period. And even today, I thought there was only two episodes left of this podcast. Uh, No, there's not after this. There's three because Willy's Wonderland comes out on the 12th of February. So oh oh, I've already got a guest lined up for it. Uh, Hopefully I have a couple of interviews around the film that will be dropping a day of release for that film. So exciting times if it all pays off. If you really want to take me to task, or there's something of a sensitive nature that you'd like to talk, I don't know whether you want to talk to me about what I imagine Nick Cage's penis looks like. I don't know. I don't know what you crazy people think up, but you can always uh, drop me an email, which is cagepod at gmail Obviously, earlier I was mentioning uh, kind of drop dates. New new podcasts. I love, I, love, I love a new podcast. And a podcast I'm very, very excited for. Uh, just yesterday, well, two days ago, yeah. So, on Monday, the primer kind of teaser trailer for Is Paul Dano Okay? dropped, uh, which is the kind of brainchild of... Daryl Bear and Matt Brothers from the amazing Sudden Double Deep, and Matt is from also Spotlight Podcast, where they will be charting the career of the one, the only Paul Dano, and asking the immortal question: Is he okay? So yeah, if you're kind of a, a, a film detective like me, you kind of like not just like the the. The films themselves, but the kind of ins and outs of things, stuff like that. That sounds like it's going to be a really, really fun journey. So, uh, yeah, check that out now. Because I know those guys are dropping on the 1st of March. So, really getting on the ground floor on this one. Uh, Those guys are lovely and I'm sure it won't disappoint in the slightest. As for next week on this podcast, I am joined by... Actor, comedian, writer, director, musician, podcaster, radio host—he's he's a man of—he's a multi-hyphenate. He's a man of many, many talents, and that's the fantastic Nick Helm. Where we'll be talking about Richard Stanley's 2020 sci-fi horror, H.P. Lovecraft melding mess. Bleh. Uh, (laughs) a colour out of space which is a real again a film that could only have Nicolas Cage in and could possibly only ever be directed by the enigmatic and kind of interesting Richard Stanley so do do check out that one this one was recorded ages and ages and ages ago and it's one of the most fun conversation of me and me and nick just kind of clicked really well and uh, there's a couple of people who've had a sneak peek of this one and have said it's it's a real it's a real standout episode uh just because the the, the kind of way we the the conversation bounces back and forth is really good And it's a long one so there'll be there'll be less of this chit-chatting uh, at the beginning and after I'll, I'll try and keep it as as compact as possible and uh, on the podcast itself, uh, uh, Nick makes a joke and, and a kind of threat to me, and he says, "Like, I dare you not to edit this, motherfucker." So I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave in as much of the conversation as, as, as gonna, like if I it. it, would be ever so slightly. It would be sound issues, if anything. So that is next week on the podcast. As well as this Friday, you'll get a little bonus Caged In Conversations episode with Kevin Frolix, a man who kind of went mad from lockdown 2020, lockdown one, isolation, quarantine in the US, and decided to write a musical based on Vampire's Kiss. Uh, so again it's a really really fun conversation so do be sure to check that out on Friday as always guys I have been Petrus Pat I have been Caged In you have been amazing Bye bye. It's family.